Hello guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. This week's episode, we're going to be covering the case of the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting that happened back in February of 2018. So this is your trigger warning now that if you are going to be sensitive to topics of mass shooting or anything like that, then you may want to skip out on this episode. But with that, let's just get straight into this episode. So the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting is now the deadliest high school shooting in the U.S. So originally that was the Columbine shooting that happened in April of 1999, which killed 15 people. The Stoneman Douglas shooting killed 17 and also injured 17 people. So this case is back in the news again recently because the gunman is planning to plead guilty to all of the 34 charges that he has from this case, according to his lawyer. So that is the main reason that I wanted to do this case now, because it is kind of a current event since the trial is about to be happening. So anyways, with that, let's actually get into this episode. Stoneman Douglas High School is a school in Parkland, Florida, which is kind of close to Miami, if you're unfamiliar. And it was February 14th of 2018, so actually Valentine's Day. So I can just imagine a lot of kids being excited to go to school that day. Maybe if they had a crush that they were hoping to ask on a date, or, you know, they were hoping to be asked on a date themselves, something like that. I could just see it being a more fun day than normal to go to school because it being Valentine's Day. So earlier in the day before the shooting actually happened, they had already had a drill and a lot of students just assumed that this was a second drill when it started happening, but a lot of people did think it was suspicious that there was a second drill in the same day because that never happens. And me being in a school or used to be in a school that is in Florida, I can attest to that. I've never had multiple drills in one day. Normally, at least in my county, which is in Tampa, it would be like one per month, actually. They had to do one drill, whether it was a fire drill or an active shooter drill, whatever. But anyway, that's off topic. But just to say that a lot of students thought, is this another drill? Is it not? What's going on? And in the classrooms where they could actually hear gunshots, a lot of students assumed that they were just doing a really realistic fire drill, or excuse me, shooting drill, because they had heard stories of this happening at other schools around them. So they thought that they were just playing noises of gunshots to scare them during this drill. So this was just a pretty regular day, despite the first drill that they had earlier in the morning until 2.19 p.m. hits. And this is actually really late in the school day because a lot of high schools, at least in my area, get out at like 3.30. So this is like less than an hour and a half before school is supposed to be ending. So a lot of students had left 
beforehand, like seniors and stuff that get out early either to go to work or maybe have college classes or something like that, a lot of those students had already left. So a lot of the victims were unfortunately like freshmen and sophomores and juniors that would still be at the school versus seniors that had left early. But anyways, at 2.19, the shooting suspect, Nicholas Cruz, a former student of the high school who is now 19, arrives to the school via an Uber, which is crazy to me. I did not know that he came through an Uber until I was doing research for this episode, and I've done a whole bunch of video watching and interviews and all of that beforehand, and I did not hear that anywhere until I'm looking on this article, actually. So that is interesting. At 2.21, he enters building 12, walking into the stairwell with a black rifle bag, and he opens fire within 15 seconds, firing into multiple classrooms. Just one minute later, at 2.22 p.m., the school's fire alarms go off, prompting students to begin evacuating, and this is also when the first 911 call goes out. Another minute later, at 2.23, the school's resource officer, which most schools do have an officer there, whether it's to deal with kids fighting or trespassing, stuff like that. Anyway, Deputy Scott Peterson issues a radio alert warning that shots have been fired. So the exact quote from the radio alert that he sends out is, Be advised, we have possible, could be, firecrackers. I think we have shots fired, possible shots fired, 1200 building, is what he said on the radio. So the officer actually doesn't make it to that building. According to him, he said that he thought the shots were coming from a different building. So that's where he went to. And he did do interviews afterward because actually Donald Trump, who was the president at the time, called him a coward after the shooting because it seemed like he wasn't trying to help but he says that he didn't know where the gunfire was coming from, so he went in the wrong direction. So I don't really know much about that, but that is the story at least. A few minutes later at 2.28, the gunman Nicholas Cruz exits the school and runs toward the tennis court and heading south. He basically just ends up being able to blend in with the crowd of students that are fleeing from the campus. And at 2.32, so that is 10 minutes after the 911 call, the very first one, and when the fire alarms were pulled, four Coral Springs police officers and two Broward County police officers enter the building for the first time. And later on, the sheriff's department gets a lot of scrutiny over the amount of time they took before entering the building, which, if you think about it, 10 minutes is a really long time, especially in a situation like this, especially 
when it's high school students. I mean, I can only imagine how terrified they were, especially in the classrooms where they had already had gunfire. I can only imagine 10 minutes is way too long. But anyways, at 2.50 p.m., Nicholas Cruz walks into a Walmart, buys a drink at a Subway restaurant that is inside, and then leaves on foot. It is just so crazy to me how nonchalant he is about his actions afterward. Because then after that, at 3.01 p.m., he goes to McDonald's and sits down and then again leaves on foot. So a little while after that, at 3.41 p.m., an officer with the Coconut Creek Police Department, which I've never heard of that, but anyway, he ends up arresting Cruz in a nearby neighborhood. So a little bit over like two hours after the shooting, he ends up being caught and arrested. And at 6.27 p.m., That is when the Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel announced that 17 people were killed in the shooting and identifies Nicholas Cruz as the suspect. The next day, which is February 15th, 2018, Nicholas Cruz appears in court for the first time via video and he is charged with 17 counts of murder, and his public defender describes him as a deeply troubled child who has endured a lot of emotional trauma in a short period of time, which we're going to talk about that emotional trauma a little bit at the end and a little bit about his past. On March 14th of 2018, so exactly a month afterward, a judge enters a not guilty plea on Cruz's behalf and his attorneys have reportedly tried to strike up a deal basically with prosecutors for them to not pursue the death penalty if he pleads guilty but prosecutors have rejected that deal and the death penalty is pretty likely. Now this was as of 2018. I will update y'all in just a second on the rest. So since then, the trial has been pushed back a bunch of times because of COVID and I'm sure other reasons, but the trial is about to happen. So before I discuss what has happened recently, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Nicholas Cruz's background. Nicholas Cruz was born on September 24th of 1998 and was adopted at birth by Linda and Roger Cruz. Both of his adopted parents did end up passing away before the shooting occurred. His adopted father, Roger, died at the age of 67 on August 11th of 2004. And just three months before the shooting on November 1st of 2017. His mother, Linda, died at the age of 68, which that obviously left him as an orphan, even though he was 19. And after his mother's death, he was just living with relatives and friends. At the time of the shooting, 
he was an employee at a local Dollar Tree and he was enrolled in a program to get his GED. So when he was in high school at Stoneman Douglas High School, he was in JROTC, which is the military program, if you're unfamiliar, and he maintained a grade of an A in that class and Bs in other subjects. In middle school, he had a lot of behavioral issues, so he was sent to a transfer school for children with emotional and learning disabilities, and he had reportedly made a lot of threats against other students. He returned to the Stoneman Douglas High School two years later. He reportedly made a bunch of threats against other students and teachers, and he even wasn't allowed to wear a backpack on campus for those reasons. And eventually in 2017, he does get expelled from the whole entire school system for disciplinary reasons. So in other words, he was just a lot of trouble while he was in school. And a year later, he was able to come to the campus and commit this mass shooting, which is absolutely crazy, especially with the amount of warning signs that he had. While he was in the school, he wasn't even allowed to carry a backpack because of his threats. Somebody should have banned him from the campus, and he shouldn't have even been able to get to the campus. I'm sure it was a gate or something unlocked, probably, but oh my goodness. The fact that basically anybody can just get on a campus in America in these schools is just crazy, because I know my high school was that way, too, and pretty much all of my schools, besides maybe like elementary, were that way, where you could just probably walk onto the campus and nobody would really question you. So anyways, it's super scary. But now we're going to move on to the more recent events. So it has come out within this week, actually, that next Wednesday at his trial, he plans to plead guilty to killing the 14 students and three staff members at Stoneman Douglas High School, and I'm not exactly sure if they reached some sort of plea deal with the prosecutors, and that's why he's pleading guilty, but it seems more like he's just pleading guilty to hopefully avoid the death penalty, but I'm not exactly sure. I can't find too much information on that, but another thing I will tell you is, first off, now he's 23, which has happened when he was 19, so it's crazy that the trial has taken this long. I mean, no, I know there's been a pandemic and all of that, but, like, my goodness, this crime happened, like, two years before the pandemic, so this should have been taken care of then, but anyways, so while he has been in jail, apparently he is accused of hitting and kicking a prison guard and trying to take his taser. So he is also apparently planning to plead guilty to felony battery on a police officer charges for that 
as well. So that is the main gist of it. I am just going to tell you guys a little bit about this video that he apparently took right before the shooting and some quotes from it. And then that'll be it for this case. So he did take a video shortly before the shootings and he said, quote, with the power of my AR, you will know who I am. And that AR is referring to his rifle. And he also says, my life is nothing and meaningless. I live a lone life. I live in seclusion and solitude. I hate everyone and everything. So, if that doesn't tell you much about him, I don't know what does. That is just, like, chilling. I literally got a tear in my eye when I was reading that at first. Like, I had to stop recording this for a second. So, I mean, this man is just sick in the head. Same with anyone that can commit any sort of crime and kill anyone. But, anyways, I am just going to end this off by saying my thoughts and prayers go out to the families of the victims as well as the surviving victims because next week when the trial's happening, they're going to have to relive all of this again. And the kids that were freshmen in high school when this happened are seniors now or maybe even going off to college, a lot of them that were in high school, or they've been in college. So they've moved on with their lives, but with how long this trial is taking, they have to go back and relive this, and the ones that are testifying have to go through all of it again. So my thoughts are with them and their families, and I hope they're all doing okay, even despite all of this. And of course... Thoughts and prayers also to anybody who was involved, officers, teachers, students, and all of the victims that died because I can only imagine how difficult it is, especially to have to go back to the same school later on and all of that I can only imagine. But with that, we're going to leave this episode on a much lighter note with the crochet pattern for this week. So this week's crochet pattern is the Digital Bonnie Doll Pattern by Rosie's Craft Corner on Etsy. And that is simply underscore Roslyn on Instagram. So if you guys are interested in checking out this pattern, it is available on her Etsy shop. Again, Rosie's Craft Corner, which that is Rosie spelled R-O-S-Y-S. And then Craft Corner as all one word. And again, simply underscore Rosalyn on Instagram. So if you guys are interested in checking out this pattern, it is a super cute one. And like always, you can find it on my Instagram as well. Plus you can find pictures from this case and you can also find my sources all on my Instagram at Crime and Crochet. 
If you just want to make it easy for yourself, you can go there and find everything in one place. But that is all for this episode, and thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Crime and Crochet. I hope you have enjoyed. If you did, the best way you can help me out is leaving a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you guys want to check out more information, such as the crochet pattern I shouted out in this episode, the case, my sources, and more information on the podcast, you can check out at Crime and Crochet on Instagram. And if you want some more crime and crochet related content, you can also check out the Reddit page that I started for the podcast, r slash crime and crochet. With that, I hope you guys will tune in to the next episode next Saturday of Crime and Crochet. And make sure that you are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims that we talk about each week. And with that, goodbye y'all.